right, all right. Happy Friday. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers, as they always are, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. The email, as it always is, Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And you can also hit me up on uh, the newly liberated Twitter, at Pete Callender. Yeah. That's right. Twitter. All right. Yeah, Twitter. It's uh, it's now under the control of Elon Musk. And the left is having yet another one of their meltdowns over the transaction. And maybe this was the whole point of, of what Musk did initially, where he said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and uh, buy this. Uh, company, and then everyone freaked out, and then he was like, whoa, 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 I don't think I want to buy the company anymore, and they were like, no, 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 you got to buy the company now, and then they were like going to sue him, and they did sue him, it was going to go to trial this month, and then the judge was like, you guys can hammer something out if you can, avoid a trial, and then he went ahead and, and they hammered it out, and now he, like, he took over, and so now maybe all of that dance that was going on, maybe that was just so we could have another round of the lefty meltdown over this because it is, I mean, it is glorious to behold. Look, I have been on Twitter since 2009 and you can thank former Charlotte city councilman, Warren Cooksey for telling me I needed to be on Twitter and convincing me to, uh, uh, to get on the platform because I was hesitant. I was reluctant at first resistant. You might even call it, but I got on there. I followed some people started mixing it up and I'm a fan of the platform because I because of the way I use it I've gone over this before and uh, I, I will uh, quote uh, Jason Whitlock he was the uh, or is or he's a columnist uh, it used to be at where it was it? ESPN and then he went to outkick the coverage I think he's at blaze now I don't remember but he's a sports guy. And I interviewed him like, a, I don't know, two years ago or something, and uh, he was talking about Twitter and social media, and he said, look, I'm a, he's a big guy, and he says, I'm a, a fan of fast food. I love fast food, but I can't eat it every day and every meal because I'll be dead. I'll be 1,000 pounds, right? Some people can eat fast food, and it doesn't uh, affect them like it affects him and me, by the way, as well, right? Some people, you know these people, we all hate them. They can eat as much fast food as they want, and they never gain any weight. And uh, I am not that person. Neither is Jason Whitlock. And that's how I am with social media, or with Twitter specifically. I think I could quit any time I want. That's what I tell myself. And, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't have really much of a problem. People come at me all the time, and I just mute them. I just blocked them, and I have a much better experience. I don't understand the people who have such a negative experience when you have all of the controls right at your fingertips, right? You can you can block people so you don't hear them, you don't see their comments, you can mute them so uh, you don't see or hear them but without blocking them, and they can still see your stuff. I mute so many people that attack me, and it's hilarious because every now and again, I'll see somebody who has responded to something, I'm like, oh... Where, who is this person? What are they responding to? Oh, there's somebody I muted like three years ago. Oh, let's see what stupidity they're doing. And you open it up and it's like, oh my gosh, this person has been tweeting at me for three years and I have never responded, but they just keep tweeting at me. There are people that do this. 
I think they are obsessed. People get obsessed with this stuff. And so it doesn't really affect me like that. I use Twitter as a uh, an aggregation tool. I use it. I've d- described this process before. I use it to build my show. I use it as show prep. It is my AP wire. Back in the day when I was a reporter in the newsroom over there, I would uh, have the AP wire open and you would just get all of the stories. And they were you know, broken out by international and national and uh, odd news and sports news. And so you could run all sorts of filters and stuff. And I don't have AP wire service now. So I built over the years, I built my own list, a filtered list, which you can do on Twitter, which I don't understand why people don't do this more often. You can create your own lists and then you get to put accounts in there and you get to create a news feed essentially. You can actually follow mine if you want. It's called Influence. There's like 120 people that are in that list. And there are some lefties in there, and you're going to get some of their commentary. Now, if that offends you and you're like, oh, I can't bear to read what some other side is saying, then you probably shouldn't follow that list. But I want to know what everyone is thinking. That's that's why I created the list. And usually the stuff gets through. All right, so that's just by way of background. Because the fight over Twitter, and I see it, uh, where is it? Here it is. This is CNN. Elon Musk has completed his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter. A source familiar with the deal told CNN Thursday, putting the world's richest man in charge of one of the world's most influential social media platforms. See, Twitter doesn't have the most followers, or users, I should say. And if Elon Musk is successful in weeding out the the bots, it's going to have even fewer. right? Because this has long been the allegation that Twitter puffs up its... Uh, it's user count because it allow and it kind of turns a blind eye. It's like a wink, wink kind of deal that they want there to, they, they, they're happy with there being all of these bots, these algorithm programs just, you know, in their system, they're fine with it because it, it elevates their number count, their user count. And that looks better for investors. looks better for the shareholders. Elon Musk wants to get rid of them. That's why he's taking the company private. He, he, he doesn't, he wants to, he wants to fight to get rid of as many of the bots as possible. Um, it is, I would submit, it is the most influential social media platform because of who's on it. Politicians and media. You remember the old journo list? Remember that? Journo list? Right, this was the, <clears throat> it was a like an email listserv kind of deal back before social media was really a, a thing, and it was just an email distribution system, and they called it Journo List, and it was just all of these reporters, all these journalists who were on this list serve, and they would they would discuss and debate, and I think it was the Daily Caller that got access to the list serve and started publishing some of the stuff, and you could see the real time coordination occurring between reporters from different outlets. All these people in the media ecosystem in D.C., New York, right, the Acela Quarter, whatever, like in, the, in, in the, the geographic areas of power and influence, and you could see them writing the narratives and pushing them out and, and, and sort of herding their members to ignoring a story or covering a story 
or thinking about a particular angle to a story, you could see it happen. That's what Twitter is now. If you watch enough, the right people, you can see the narratives get hatched, get promoted, and then calcify. You can watch it happening. So that's why I'm a big fan of what just happened with Elon Musk. That's that's for all that's for all of the people that are like I'm gonna leave like Mark Elias Mark Elias, which is a really weird. Does it window into his mindset with his tweet today? I'll tell you what he said in a minute. So Reuters has set up a camera with a live feed outside of Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco, showing us the outside of the building. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, there's a guy there checking his phone, standing out there. Uh, I'm not really sure what else I'm supposed to... I mean, are people like supposed to be flinging themselves out of the windows or something? What's going on? Why... Why do I need this live look at the outside of the Twitter headquarters? Twitter is, I submit, uh, the most influential platform. It moves the national discussion. Stuff that you see on Twitter usually ends up, quote, in the news. I've been using it to build my show for, well, since 2009, when I first got on the platform. So I've seen a lot of the changes. I think actually I am, um, I've heard it referred to as shadow band, where people who follow me don't actually see much of what I tweet. They have to actually go to my profile and pull up the tweets in order to see them. They're not seeing the stuff that I'm producing. Um, I've seen, or I've heard it referred to also as throttled back the account. Um, so this is one of the things that Elon Musk said he was going to be changing. And I think there are a lot of people that think Twitter is now going to be, like, awesome all of a sudden. And I... Okay. But yes. All right. He came out and he said the bird is free. By the way, did you see he shows up at Twitter headquarters uh, with a sink? Like a literal sink. Like a white ceramic pedestal not the whole pedestal just the sink basin part of it like just a sink and he said let that let this sink in or something (laughs) it's so weird when you have a lot of money they call you eccentric if i were to do that they would just say i'm crazy okay but elon musk completes the deal and he immediately then fires the ceo Parag Agrawal, and two other executives. This according to two people familiar with the decision. Twitter had declined to comment. The deal's closing removes a cloud of uncertainty that has hung over Twitter's business, as well as its employees and shareholders for much of the year. After initially agreeing to buy the company in April, Musk spent months attempting to get out of the deal. First, citing concerns about the number of bots on the platform and later allegations raised by a company whistleblower. And um, he seemed to acknowledge the takeover in a tweet last night saying the bird is free. And this is why uh, people uh, specifically on the right began rejoicing on Twitter because 
the right has been the target of Twitter's censorship. And to to deny this would be to deny reality or you're attempting to you're you're either ignorant, uninformed or, you know, you're you're gaslighting. You're trying to convince people that what is true is not true. Uh, people that have been banned from the uh, you know high profile people, obviously Donald Trump being the highest profile of the highest profiles. Um, but you also had Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe, right? There were others. Alex Jones was kicked off. What was that guy? Milo Yiannopoulos, whatever. Yiannopoulos, I think it's her, whatever. Um, I think he pronounces it like that. So they've kicked off a lot of people. And Musk has indicated that he's not a fan of these lifetime permabans. He, he doesn't like this idea. He wants Twitter to be a free speech platform. And he likes the idea of Twitter essentially mimicking Speech laws, right? We already have an entire body of work, right, of rules that guide us on what is and is not allowable speech, right, in our society. Yet you have these social media platforms that have constructed elaborate and confusing and contradictory and subjective and, and biased rules, to try to police what they want people to say, essentially, and what they don't want people to say. The Hunter Biden laptop story is a perfect example. And by the way, the thing that prompted Elon Musk to get involved was the Babylon Bee. A satirical website, right? The Babylon Bee. And they, uh, they posted a story that the man of the year was Rachel Levine, who was the transgender... Uh, was it Health and Human Services, Deputy Secretary, something like that, right? And they they named this person the Man of the Year. And Twitter told them, your account is locked, you have to delete the account. And Seth Dillon, the founder of Babylon Bee, I saw him when he came to town and spoke, uh, or he came to Raleigh, and spoke at the John Locke Foundation's Liberty Conference a couple of months back. And he made the point, because he talked about their uh, their being banned before, and I think when he was talking about it, this was prior to the uh, the Levine story. So I'm not sure, I, if my memory serves correctly, that they had not been locked out of their account at this point, but it had already occurred several times. And what they always, and what he said at that conference, and I, when I talked with him afterwards, he said the same thing, because I was of the opinion that, like, you know, I'm going to leave Twitter. I'm I, like, I, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to vote with my wallet, you know, my presence. I'm going to leave the platform. And he said, no, make them ban you. Make, he's like, and they're going, to have to, they're going to have to delete this content themselves. We're not going to do it. And that's why when the Levine story hit, and it, he said, we're not deleting this post. It's, we are a satirical website. It is a joke. We're not getting rid of it. If you want to get rid of it, then you take it down. But we're not going to play a role. We're not going to cooperate with your censorship effort, because then Twitter would get to say, well, they took it down themselves. And so that's why their account has been blocked all this time. Well, Elon Musk was a fan, is a fan of the Babylon Bee. He likes their jokes. And so when they got locked, it got him looking at Twitter. And that's where we are now, all because of a joke. If I leave. 
That's all it took. Okay. This is why people ask me all the time. They're like, Pete, like, why do you make jokes? And this is why. Sometimes, you know, jokes can change the world. Newstalk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. So a couple of things I've noticed and I've heard uh, other people, I've seen other people uh, talk about since uh, Elon Musk started his overtures towards Twitter to try to buy them and then the negotiations going back and forth and now this week him actually taking control over the company. So first off, there have been complaints about the what appears to be biased or let's just say uh, motivated promotion of accounts and tweets that show up in your feeds, right? So it's called your timeline, right? So if you follow 100 people and they're, they're each sending out, you know, one tweet an hour, you're going to see 100 tweets per hour. Now, if you're following a lot of people, it becomes too much to – to kind of see so you can actually create lists and, and shorten them down. And, and so now you're only seeing certain people more frequently and that sort of thing. But Twitter started putting these promoted tweets and sometimes they're paid spots. Sometimes like uh, a company will, will pay. And I've done this before to promote my own show on Twitter, but you can, you can pay to get some tweets put into people's timelines. But Twitter also does this themselves. And people have been reporting, people on the right who do not follow these lefty accounts have reported over the last few months, they say that they're seeing these lefty accounts getting put into their timelines. They're getting tweets from, what's that idiot's name, the Brooklyn dad or whatever. You know, some guy, uh, I guess he's in Brooklyn, and he's he's a lefty, and he's paid by the Democrats. And he just promotes and produces... Democrat talking points and he just tweets them as if these are his own and whatever. He's got this massive following hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions. I don't even know, but all of a sudden he's nowhere to be found. Now people that were seeing his tweets on a daily basis, all of a sudden, as of yesterday, they do not, they're not showing up. Why? Another thing that people are reported uh, are reporting is that, uh, and you can see this, Joy Reid, somebody highlighted these earlier today, Joy Reid from MSNBC, when she would, you know, send out a tweet, something stupid, I mean, it's Joy Reid, so, uh, she would say something stupid, and then uh, you would see the the number of people that would like her comments or retweet them, you know, she would pull like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 likes or retweets. But over the last 24 hours or so, She's not getting more than about two or three hundred. Why? What, what's happening? Not only were there inflated follower counts, right, that you really don't have a million followers. You have far fewer. A lot of those are just fake accounts. And this is what Elon Musk says he's going to try to eliminate. So we shall see. But. There is also this amplification of certain messages from certain people, and they all tend to be of a certain political persuasion. Why? 
I hope that we find out. One of the other things Elon Musk wants to do is make the source, uh, make the uh, make it open source code. So this way, everybody gets to look under the hood and see how this thing works. So that goes a long way to giving the site credibility that it's not, you know, motivated in one way or another. That it's not trying to throttle accounts that are of a uh, you know one certain political persuasion. But I find it interesting that Mark Elias, the Democrat super lawyer guy, right, Hillary Clinton's steel dossier cutout man, and the uh, the guy who represented our own governor Roy Cooper when he was you know trying to find every vote he could find uh, to defeat Pat McCrory, and um, he's the guy suing all of the states, including North Carolina, over redistricting and gerrymandering. Only Republican states, by the way, and then he defends Democrat gerrymanders. That guy, total hack lawyer, right? He goes on Twitter after this announcement uh, and news breaks of Musk's uh, purchase uh, going through last night. And he goes on to Twitter and he says, I, I'm here until they uh, they kick me off, until Elon Musk kicks me off or something. And I just thought, what an interesting mindset. Because the people on the right who are on Twitter have never been making an argument for Mark Elias or anybody else for that matter to be removed from Twitter. It's a mindset into like this is, you know, it's like, you know, vote libertarian where, you know, they, they won't take your money or force you to do things. Right. That's same idea here. We're not, we're, the response here from Musk is not to go the other direction and start banning you guys. It's to not ban people for having unpopular or differing opinions. Right? The way to combat misinformation is with correct information. You make the correct information available as well. That's the idea. Some of the people, this is from Rasmussen. They sent out a tweet. Uh, here's a list, a partial list of the people that got banned. And look, me personally, I don't like people on this list. There are people on this list I do not use as a reference. I don't use for any information whatsoever. I do not care to read their sites, listen to what they say. They're, they're not credible to me. But I don't think that they should be banned. So here's a partial list put together by Rasmussen Reports. Babylon B, Mike Lindell, pillow guy, right? Project Veritas, Gateway Pundit, Paul Sperry. I didn't even know Paul Sperry got banned. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, her personal account. Emerald Robinson, James O'Keefe, Juanita Broderick, Robert Malone, Right, the, the godfather of mRNA technology, right? Because he went on to Joe Rogan's podcast. Tracy Beans, I've interviewed her. True the Vote, Steve Bannon, Alex Berenson, and Donald Trump. The answer to bad speech is more speech. I, I believe that. I don't believe that you uh I don't I don't believe that you foster a better argument by shutting out opposing views this is one of the reasons why i think a lot of people on the left have gotten lazy intellectually lazy and it's difficult for them to defend their positions because they never get asked the questions they never get challenged and i always say unchallenged ideas are easy to hold do you you remember when i had the two candidates for u.s senate no not those two candidates the other two that want to debate um yeah the libertarian shannon bray and the green party candidate michael ho and I asked them both, and I disagree with both of them, by the way, on their answer. I, 
but I applaud them for coming in and actually w- being willing to discuss and debate the topic when I asked when do rights obtain for the fetus? When do human rights obtain? And neither one of them had ever really contemplated that question because in the circles they move in, they never had to. Everybody agrees with them. They're all on the same page on that. They both agreed with each other on it. Right? This was sort of the Todd Aiken effect, the same thing. You, d- you don't come to these conclusions and say these things that sound crazy to everybody else. It's not the first time that Todd Aiken ever said legitimate rape won't get you pregnant. Like, that's it's ridiculous, right? But he probably said it to a lot of people, and they all agreed with him, so there was never any pushback. And then he gets on the campaign trail, and he says it, and that's, his, that's the end of his career, right? Unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. And so I am on board with the Musk idea here that engaging in the debate sharpens your skills and it hones your argument resistance to pressure builds strength that's my take on it so i'm i'm looking forward to uh our newfound freedom on twitter okay yes i look forward to our newfound freedom as of earlier this week Twitter employees protested Elon Musk's plans to dismiss or replace as much as 75% of the staff at Twitter, which he said is way too way too large and disproportionately skews left-wing politically. Musk said he could potentially reduce the workforce from 7,500 down to just like 2,000. Angry Twitter workers circulated an open letter obtained by Time magazine demanding that Musk not get rid of anyone and not discriminate against them on the basis of their political views. Which, yeah. So now Twitter doesn't want, Twitter employees don't want viewpoint discrimination against them. See, this is, this is what all of the Musk buyout, this is what it has exposed, right? The double standard that, They're okay with the censorship as long as it goes the way they want it to. And that's what Mark Elias' comment betrayed as well. That he thinks, oh, you know, I'm standing up, I'm the resistance here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be here until you kick me off. Well, why would why would they kick you off? What are you doing to warrant getting kicked off? Right? But this is what they think is coming. The thing that they were doing, they think is going to be turned on them, and that's why they're upset. But the other side is simply saying, don't do that for anybody. Now, Musk has also pointed out this is not going to become some right-wing hellscape. He said that. There's going to be moderation. There, there, there will, of course, be, because that's not going to be a good business model. It, it isn't. You want to have a public square where everybody can engage with everybody, where all of the ideas are getting kicked around. That's what he wants to see. And maybe that's Pollyannish and naive. I don't know. I'd like to think it's not. Um, there is this also, hang on a second. Where was this? Uh, yeah. Chris Stokel over at wired.com. He says, that this is going to all of the free speech is going to really hard hit the uh, uh, women and minorities. And yeah, like, of course. Oh, all right. So free speech is their hardest hit for free speech. Really? This is what he's predicting. 
experts in online moderation, he writes, including some on Twitter's Online Safety Advisory Council. Right, they're they're afraid this is going to usher in a new era of trolling on the platform. Right, just block people. Block them. A Musk-owned Twitter could be disastrous for women in marginalized communities already facing abuse and targeted harassment on the platform, says Christopher Boozy of Bot Sentinel, a popular bot detection system. Um, it already happens now. That happens already. Targeted harassment occurs. Think um, U.S. Supreme Court justices, for example. But only a certain, only six of them, right? Only six of those justices. Then there was uh, this piece by Samuel Mangold Lennett. Lynette? Yeah, uh, staff editor at The Federalist. And his writing has been featured at The Daily Wire, townhall.com, The American Spectator, and, uh, and other places. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, my goodness. So he says, For too long, Twitter has been an outlet that shuns the average user as it bent over backwards to accommodate Democrat politicians, the corrupt American bureaucracy, and genocidal regimes abroad. It participated in some of the most egregious censorship and political interference. So when news broke that Musk had finally sealed the deal and fired a couple of the highest-ranking executives. The platform broke out in what could only be described as a chaotic celebration as users began to post their hottest takes. In many ways, it was reminiscent of the great meme war of 2016 that may or may not, depending on who you ask, have had a role in the election of President Donald Trump. For a brief moment, the Internet was fun again. But this joy was short-lived. People were posting about how happy they were to be free and have their freedom back, fully convinced that one man's purchase could save our nation. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Musk can't do that for us. Yes, he bought Twitter. Yes, he has pledged to end censorship. He's pledged to end the suppression of speech on one of the most important digital platforms. And look, in doing so, he's caused all the right people basically leftist apparatchiks posing as neutral journalists or entrenched federal bureaucrats, the global elite, right? So they're all experiencing a healthy dose of existential dread as they realize their grasp on power is not as total as they thought it was. But this does not mean that we have reclaimed or been given back our freedom. Mangold Leonard says the faceless blob of the managerial elite, the people who really run the U.S., the managerial elite, They still have near-complete control over every other institution that affects our lives. And yeah, they can't ban you on Twitter anymore for saying boys and girls are different, but they will undoubtedly find their way into a similar role in some other company that's just as influential. And so the idea here is we can fight back, we can take control away, and we just have to be willing to do so, he says. All right, let me get Pete on here. Hello, Pete. Great name. Welcome to the program. How are you? You bet, Pete. Hey, uh, I don't know if it qualifies as bumper, but I love the music today. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Hey, uh, here's my point. Going back to Mark Elias and some of these jokers, uh, you know, the upper echelons of the Democrat Party Mm -hmm. and thinking, they they don't believe that. 
you know that. They don't believe they're going to get banned or anything. I mean, you know, when has Republicans ever banned any speech going back, I don't know, maybe to the 80s or something? Never. They never try to ban speech. So all they're trying to do is, you know, their brainwashed minions is to get them all fired up because they will believe that. But, you know, there's I, I, th- I think you probably agree with that. I do. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do. I think that there is a, a, a level of performance that is absolutely on display uh, theater, right, that people are engaging in. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure that everybody that is. Well, at that level, at that you know upper level uh, in the elites, I, I, I'm not sure that they all that it's all theater for all of them. I think there are probably like, for example, a lot of uh, your 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 corporate media elite, national, international level type of you know journalists. I think they probably do actually believe that uh, that they're going to get banned, they're going to get in trouble, that they're part of the resistance. I mean, look at all the people that wore all those hats. Five years ago, yeah. right? So, so you believe they're that naive because that's what that would be. Because I, it's, there's no proof of it, right? Know, no, I, I don't think it's. Not, I don't think it's a. It's a matter of naivete. I think it's um, neuroticism. <laughs> no, really, I do. I think. I think a lot of the folks. Yeah, I think they are. I think they They have anxiety and then they have neuroses about this stuff. I think they. A lot of people really do actually feel afraid that they are being oppressed if they don't have control over all systems. So it's a little bit of OCD, I think, too. Pete, I appreciate the call, sir. Have a great weekend. Keep the great name. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. So, yes, the bird is free. For how long? I don't know. I'll I'll keep you updated. I'll be watching. You should follow me, too, over there. At Pete Callender. I'm picking up a lot of followers today, too.